Hey, church. Pastor Gary here coming to you with this week's uh, merger prayer, this, this prayer vigil that we're in. Uh, this week, we, uh, we spent some time praying for our need for uh, servants for the mission field. Uh, this week, we prayed specifically for, for more workers, whether it be uh, new teachers or children's workers or uh, young adult leaders, uh, tech people, musicians, whatever it was. Uh, just for more diversity and skill and, and everything else. So uh, today I want to just summarize that prayer uh, today while we're together uh, as we continue in this merger prayer vigil that we've got going. All right, join me. Lord, we thank you uh, for bringing our churches together, God, for bringing this work to us uh, that would cause us to unify our ministries in this community. Lord, we ask that you would uh, raise up more servants for your for your mission. Lord, the scripture says that the uh, labor is plentiful, but the, the laborers are few. You always have more of a harvest than you have the laborers, and it, because it's our job to be discipling more laborers, raising up more people, calling more people into the mission field. Uh, Lord, so, so we lift that up to you to, today. God, reveal to people their gifts, their calling, that they might begin to serve you and live into the life that you created them to live. We love you, Lord. Thank you for, for revealing to us the need of ministry and our place in it. We love you and we thank you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here. Thanks for praying with me. Continue. Week five is coming up where we uh, begin again praying for the transform, transformation of our church and our community. I uh, hope you stay connected uh, in your merger prayer vigil. All right? God bless. Let's continue in worship. There was only one place for me to record this week's message, and that was out here in, the, in a place where I love, in the woods. We're starting a new sermon series today. And if you don't know, there's a reason why I tend to teach from a book of the Bible from beginning to end. And mainly, that reason is, is to protect you from me. I, see, I've known myself for quite a while now. And one thing I know about me is that once I get onto something, I struggle letting it go. So, so preaching through a, a book from beginning to end, it keeps me from preaching the, the same subjects, the same topics, and the, the same sins again and again. It keeps me off my soapbox. It forces me to deal with what God has revealed in all of Scripture. Like what, what Paul wrote into, in, to Timothy in, in 2 Timothy 3 when he said that all Scripture is God-breathed, that it's all useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That all of it is given so that the servant of God, that, that's you and me as followers of Jesus, that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So all scripture is useful. So let's look at the whole thing. And I've heard again and again from people that, that they wish they understand the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament better. I mean, we read in the New Testament that Jesus fulfilled the law, the Old Testament. But if, but if we don't understand the Old Testament, we really miss out on the understanding what Jesus was doing in the New Testament. I heard a long time ago that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed, meaning, meaning the New Testament clearly displays what the Old Testament had hidden or pointed towards. So we're going to spend some time peeling back the curtain today, looking to discover Christ and the gospel in the first book, of the, beginning in the first book, Genesis. 
I'm preaching through this text on Sunday. I'm going to encourage you to study the same text during the week. I'm going to provide you with some resources to study on your own or in a small group. The study of God's Word is important because investing ourselves in God's Word is the best way to develop the character of God in our life. In fact, one thing we're going to do starting this week is to, to open up a digital Bible study for you on Monday night. We're going to do it at the charge office. Ed Leinard and I are going to open our Bibles and discuss this week's message as well as, as questions we have from the text that we don't talk about on Sunday because there's a lot in here. The login or call in, they're in the announcements today, but, but they'll also be on our website and our Facebook page. So you can join in person or virtually online. I want all of us to take part, either, either in person, either way, on Monday or on your own. Not because our study is going to be exceptional, but because whenever we approach God's Word with a Lord teach me attitude, He does. He changes us. So let's get started. As I said, I'm in one of my favorite places today, in the woods. I always feel a sense of God's presence when I'm out here. I, I can't really explain it, but, but normally it's quiet, and in the stillness I'm drawn to notice things that I normally I would never see. The work of spiders between the trees. Designing webs as intricate as any blueprint I've ever seen, and yet much more temporary. The work of the squirrel over there gathering food makes me think that he knows something I don't. The way the, the stream carves through the sandy soil, leaving behind rocks and arrowheads. The, the chatter of the birds in the trees, where they can't keep a secret. I mean, it's pretty amazing. If I would just stop, slow down, and pay attention. Today we start a series of messages titled, The Beginning. We're looking at where it all began. The first 11 chapters in Genesis. Well, most of it began there, anyway. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1, 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I'd ask you, if you would, to, to write that verse down and memorize it this week. In the beginning, God, God created. I mean, the basic question that I remember our kids asking is, is who created God? Well, God wasn't created. God existed. God has existed eternally. He's the uncaused cause of all that's followed. Everything that came into being came in because of at his hand by his word because he willed it this is because it this frames everything for the rest of the bible this is the the account of god and his people so let's get back to the text i ask you if you would to just listen close your eyes and and hear me as i read today's text in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth now the earth was formless and empty darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of god was hovering over the waters and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between that waters to separate the water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water from the vault, from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, 
and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark the sacred times, the days, the years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two lights, the greater light to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing which moves the water, which the water teems and it moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the water and the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And, that was, and there was evening, and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make mankind in our image in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the, live, the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all creatures that move on the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit in it. They will be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move on the ground. Everything that has breath in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. It was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God finally finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the creating that had been done. Wow. There's a lot in there, right? Yeah, there is. There are books written about that passage that we just read. But I want us to go back and consider just a few points. Just a couple, three. But first, let's pray together. Lord, teach us. Teach us that we might know you and love you, that our lives would, would, would honor and glorify you in, in, in all that we do in response to, what, to the most generous gift that you have given us, life itself. Amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in this work, we see some very clear things about God. 
first we see his power. And this is probably the most obvious quality we see and when we look at creation. In the beginning, God created. He spoke it into existence. He didn't construct it. I mean, there was nothing to build with. There was, there was nothing, and God spoke everything into existence. The sun, the stars, animals, hair, skin, the leaves, everything out of nothing. I mean, God's word is powerful. It's unmatched. So much so, Psalm 33, David wrote, The word of the Lord, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. Not only did he create it that way, but for he spoke and it came to be, he commanded and it stood firm. You see, not only did creation reveal God's power, but, but sustaining it reveals his power. Holding it in place, allowing it to continue. Scripture refers to God holding creation in the palm of his hand. God's ability to provide all the systems and forces that, that keep things going. Without, We see them as breaking down, but, but think about it. The rivers keep flowing. The sun continues to rise. The tides, the seasons, all these things, they don't happen on their own. They're not, there's not some perpetual cycle. They're being equipped by God's power. As Jesus explained, God's provision for creation in Matthew 6 when he said that not one sparrow falls outside of the Father's knowledge. I mean, his power is evident in creation. But we also see God's wisdom, how things fit. I mean, the roots of these trees, how they hold one another up around this water, around this little creek. I mean, other than the mosquito that's bothering me, maybe, everything has a purpose. There was a man in the Bible named Job who was going through extremely hard times. And, and he lost his family, his possessions, and now he was sick with an with a extremely painful skin disease. And naturally, he would raise his voice to God. Why, God? Why? But what did God say in reply? In, verse, in chapter 33, God said, Okay, you've questioned me. Now it's my turn. Brace yourself, he says. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me. Who marked out its dimensions? Surely you know, God said. Who stretched the measuring line across it? Were you there when the footings were set? Or, or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy? Who did that? Job? See, we have no understanding of, of how God has done all these. And all we see is that it's incredibly intricate, requiring immense, dare I say, supernatural wisdom. God's power, God's wisdom. And third, we see God's majesty. I mean, majesty is a word that we don't use very often. But thinking about creation, there, there really isn't a better word to describe it other than majestic. I remember several years ago, I, I came across a video from a sermon by Francis Chan. He, he had photos from space, and I was going to update it with, with better pictures, but it's still powerful. Just, just watch this. What, what, what you're seeing right now, First of all, this is the earth, okay? Just, just, you're taken off from the earth from Southern California, and we're going we're gonna to rise up for a little bit here, okay? We're going to pull away from it. We're going to pull higher. Now, this is at about 10 kilometers. Like, if you climb Mount Everest, this is what you'd see. You'd see the curvature of the earth from that distance. Now, you're gonna, we're going to climb up even higher. This is at 100 kilometers, and you're a fourth of the way to the space station now. This is what you'd see. If you get to this level, you're considered an astronaut. Just 
if you ever get there. Okay, now we're going 100,000 kilometers. 100,000 kilometers from the Earth. You're a fourth of the way to the moon. That's what the Earth would look like. Now we're going to pull away to a million kilometers. At a million kilometers, there's the moon. Okay, there's the moon. You can barely see the Earth. You're at a million kilometers now. You're past the, past the moon. And uh, now we're going to go to 100 million kilometers. 100 million kilometers. You're still not to the sun. The sun's 93 million miles away. But now we're going to go to 10 trillion kilometers. Ten, there's the sun. Okay. You just passed the sun. Now you would see all of the planets at 10 trillion kilometers. And now we're at 10 to the 15th power. That means 10 with 15 zeros. I don't know what that number is. 15 zeros. And the sun's just like a bright dot amidst other stars. And now we're going to 10 light years away. At 10 light years away. Come on, let's go. Zoom, there you go. 10 light years away. Now you just see the sun with like 11 other stars that are kind of its neighbors. You know, that, 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 that's our sun. And now we're going to go 1,000 light years away. At 1,000 light years away, you, you wouldn't even see our sun anymore. These are just a bunch of stars close to it in this cluster inside the Milky Way. Now we're going to zoom out even further, and that's the Milky Way we live in. See that cluster of stars? Those are about 100,000 stars that are closest to our sun. You can't see our sun anymore at this point. Now this is our Milky Way galaxy, and forget about the Earth. Okay, there's our Milky Way galaxy that we live in. Um, and we're just buried in there somewhere. And we're going to pull out even further. And you'll see that our galaxy is actually, it's, it's a big galaxy. And, uh, and all those other things you're seeing now are galaxies. And we're going to pull away 10 million light years now. His next scene is 10 million light years. Those are all galaxies you see. Amidst our Milky Way, several hundred galaxies. Now we're going to go 100 million light years away. This is the last one. We're going to zoom out to 100 million light years. Those are all clusters of galaxies. Galaxies and clusters of galaxies. You won't even see our Milky Way galaxy anymore amidst that. We don't have telescopes that go beyond that little sphere there. That is majestic. I mean, hear how David the psalmist described it in, in Psalm 111. He said, Great are the works of the Lord. They're pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. But not only is his majesty seen in the grandeur of creation, but in his generosity in creation, right? Generosity to extend his blessing to everyone and everything. I mean, Jesus, he pointed this out when he talked about God's grace extending to all as the rain falls on the just and the unjust. In the beginning, God displayed his power, his wisdom, his majesty for all the world to see. There was a time, not that long ago actually, when, when people didn't question God behind creation. People looked at all that had been done all around, and they accepted that a designer did this. I mean, that's what Paul was writing about in Romans uh, chapter 1 when he wrote this. He said, in verse 19 and 20, he said, Since what may be known about God is plain, because God has made it plain, 
For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. And yet, today, we question everything. We even question things that are right in front of us. I mean, it's true that things oftentimes aren't as they appear, but if we're suspicious of everything, what does that do to our heart? I mean, it makes us pretty skeptical, right? I mean, I understand skeptics, I suppose, when we stop to think about where we are. I mean, think about this. We're standing on a ball on a surf with a surface of 200 million square miles, most of it in water, and it's spinning at 1,000 miles an hour. And while we spin, we travel through space, heated by a giant ball that's burning 94 million miles away, and we're traveling at over 60,000 miles an hour. I mean, that alone is simply more than we can understand, right? It's almost easier to think that it all happened by accident, by random, by some just big bang. It's easier if we choose that than to choose a sovereign, powerful God, a God who creates, a God who promises to love me and never leave me nor forsake me, even in my most difficult days. We all know the story of creation. At least we're familiar with it, what I read. The question isn't about our awareness. The question is about our believing it. And to what degree does our believing shape our behavior. In all this, you're an accident or there's a purpose. Does your life have a purpose or are you simply just a flip of a coin? How you answer that question has huge ramifications for your life. The Bible is clear that God had a purpose in creating you to reveal himself. Psalm 19 it says it this way, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hand. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out all over all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. See, creation has a purpose to reveal and to glorify God. The squirrel, the spider, the stream, the birds, all of them declare the glory of God. All of creation was created to declare the reality, the majesty, the wisdom, and the power of God. Now you remember what else was created on that sixth day, right? All the animals, yep, but also man and woman. In the image of God with authority over all creation but as a part of creation. We're part of his creation. Sure, God created us to rule over all this, but the purpose of every part of creation is to reveal God. Just like the heavens proclaim his glory, so do we. While the skies proclaim the work of his hands, so do we. You and I are part of God's declaration. I am a created being. You are a part of God's creation. You're not an accident. And our purpose is to reveal God as well as the skies. The problem is we often get so wrapped up in life, we start thinking that this life is all about us. We forget that we're a part of his creation, that all of our life is for him. It's part of being a human. We're going to talk more about humanity next week when we look at chapter 2, but, but let me close about today by telling you that, that your tendency to get wrapped up in life and forget or ignore your life is part of God's design, that, that your purpose is found in God, not in you. This tendency is completely human. It's called sin, 
And this sin separates us from God's purpose. It separates from the life that God has planned for us. But God had a plan for that separation. Jesus, his son, who was there in the beginning, came to earth fully God. He lived as a man, facing all the same temptations, distractions, yet he never sinned. He was killed by the people of God. He died so that we could be forgiven and our lives be set aright, that we would be restored into God's purpose. And then God's Spirit would come and, and live inside of us and enable us to live for Him. If you desire to live that life, you were created to live. If living for yourself is proven pointless and you wish to live for your Creator, then, then take a step toward God. The word is repentance, and it's the best step you will ever take. It's the first step into glory. So we pray today, and we take a step towards God and His design for your life. I ask you, if you're, taking the, if you're doing this, then, then just type into the chat, glory. Glory, tell the world that I'm stepping into God's glory for me. Just pray with me and pray this. Father God, forgive me for living for myself as though I were the point of my life. Thank you for creating me and giving my life and everything purpose. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. For, for I trust in your son Jesus who lived and died and rose again to conquer death. I thank you for filling me with your spirit to enable me to live for you. I praise you, God. Amen. God is so good. All of creation declares his presence. Remember, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today pray this is encouraging to you in your walk with Jesus. Now, if you would, join me in our benediction. Life is much more than an accident. Wherever you go, believe God needs you there. Wherever you are, trust that God has put you there, that he has a purpose for you being there. Christ, alive in you, wants to do something through you, no matter where you are. Believe this and go in his grace and his love and his power. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a fantastic week. I look forward to seeing you Monday night. Love you. Bye-bye.
笑有。